Welcome everybody back to Shatter and Rise, the podcast about different journeys and than the traditional beaten path um, when it comes to your career or um, your side hustle, whatever that might be. Uh, I'm joined by Jarvis today. If you have listened to the first season, you would recognize his name because he uh, was one of my originals. And I'm so excited to hear um, where you are because it's crazy to me like how far you've come in such a short amount of time. And I'm so happy for you and so excited. So welcome back. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I, I enjoyed the first time. And so more than happy to, to come now and to come back anytime you, you will have me. Awesome. I would love that. <laughs> we always have good conversations. So, um, and I'm super fascinated. So last time we spoke, you were kind of in a transition from you were doing mostly graphic design work on on your own, and then you were uh, transitioning over. You started working for uh, another company. You were getting into more of the UX side of things and doing the web design stuff. And um, you were also just, start, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but I know last time I talked to you, you were starting to get into mentoring. So... Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about where you're at now. Yeah, so like you said, a ton has changed. Um, so currently I am a senior product designer at LinkedIn on their design systems team. Um, I, I also mentor for Design Lab um, and just for anybody who really needs it, um, as well as like doing some teaching with some different universities, like doing way more than I should do. Um, and then another one of the big things is that I um, helped co-found a, a group called Black UX Labs, where our goal is just to help diversify the UX space. So I have a, have a, lot, of, a lot of things that are happening at the same time. <laughs> so many <Thank> things. <laughs> and you also have a growing family, which is huge. I think we talked a lot about that last time too, of what it's like to be a designer and work from home and be taking care of your family um, and how to balance all of those things and make sure that you're you're not doing so much that it takes away from the, the things that are most important to you. So congrats on that too, number three coming on the way. <laughs> yeah, um, still working on the balance, haven't, haven't quite. <laughs> fully figured that out but um i definitely try to to do the best that i can while still like checking off like the career boxes um it's just embracing the the chaos that's usually happening in my house where, um, yeah we have we have number three coming and we have our niece staying with us so um <laughs> yeah so there's about to be four kids up in here our niece is 13. oh man um and so just like embracing that it's not going to be quiet. It's not yep. going to be like serene all the time. Yep. And being okay with that. A hundred percent. I'm also coming to that realization with two now that my life will never, ever be quiet ever again. Two boys. Well, three, if you count my husband, because he's pretty much a man child. <laughs> and, and you add in the animals, like it's just pure chaos all the time. And, and it, if you don't just embrace it, you'll just be miserable. So might as well enjoy the, the life and, exactly. and just, just uh, be along for the ride and, and have a good time. Um, my, we get like these little chunks of time. And so we're like really good about bedtime where my mm -hmm. daughter goes down at seven. My son usually maybe like an hour after around eight or 8.30. And so we get like that little like hour or two at the end of the day. Yes. And then... I usually get up around like 5 a.m. So Ooh. I take like a morning chunk of like, I just need to start my day with like some peace and quiet. Yep. Um, and they'll usually start waking up around like seven or eight. So it gives me a couple hours to myself too. 
That's nice. Um, I mentioned this before, but I am very envious that you have the willpower to do that. And I bet like if I tried enough, the enjoyment of having that quiet time to actually just get my stuff done and work probably would eventually get me out of bed in time. But I, I got to get there and I got to get past the, the newborn stage where I yeah. don't, I actually sleep again and I don't just take naps through the night. Um, I'm looking forward to that because yeah, that golden hour with your, your partner when, you know, everyone's asleep, you know, you shut the computer, you put your phone away and you just kind of like be together, whatever it is that you enjoy doing in that time is so nice. Um, it's, it's like self-care but for your relationship. <laughs> yeah. And it's like nine times out of 10, like we're not even doing anything. No. Sometimes we're like, we're not even talking. It's just like, yeah, I just want to be in the same room as you. Yep. Without someone else your needing presence. your attention. Exactly. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. So tell me a little bit about the mentorship. So I kind of was not surprised that you went that route. I just think that you're an amazing person that, like you just seem like a giver naturally. Um, but have you found that that kind of fed a need that you had? Is that like, um, does it feel like a career thing that you kind of like just didn't know you needed and then kind of added in and it's like playing that part? How has that been going for you? Um, it was, it was really me coming to the realization that I'd, I had knowledge that was useful because I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I was like very far in my career at that time. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I still had a lot to learn. And so I was like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm where I want to be yet. So how can I help somebody else? Um, and then I don't remember when, when the light switched, but I talked to somebody and they were like, Oh my God, like the, the information you gave me was um, super helpful. Like it yeah. really helped me. Well, even about the industry and look at it differently. Me, yeah, you taught me like a Figma session, and I think we spent maybe like what an hour and a half, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I just <laughs> learned so much. Like, thank you, that was amazing. And I think you're maybe like one of those natural teachers that I, it's just something that maybe you've developed or you're blessed with, but um, you just have a way about you that it makes it easy to learn from you, um, and it's a, it's an amazing. I'm so glad you are willing to share that with the world. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy for you that you went that route. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I feel like with a lot of the boot camps and um, schools and like education around UX, it gives you like these very <laughs> like blinded perceptions of yes. what the industry is. And so for I'm sure. really trying to like break those barriers down for the people who um, I get the opportunity to, to mentor. Um, and be like, okay, like, yes, they're teaching you this, but also like look outside of this coursework that you're doing, mm -hmm. um, look at the bigger picture, um, think outside of the box that they're putting you in. So yeah. that way you're setting yourself up for once you're done um, to actually be successful in the workplace. For sure. Especially, so one of the things I've come across is the whole experience barrier, right? That like all these people are flooding to these boot camps and they do the curriculum and then they get out and the job hunt is only getting worse. It's getting more horrendous and difficult um, as people make this this career shift to being more on the, in the digital um, career path. And they need the experience to get into whatever field it is because those programs are designed to be like very hmm, um, like sandbox oriented, right? Of like best yeah. case scenario, these are all the things you could do when you design a website. But the reality is like maybe 10% of that and everything else is business and we're moving on. Um, and so like, but I also see the value in the, the the people that are going through these boot camps have all the new tech they they understand new principles they're really more customer focused than a lot of the old school designers so they are super valuable but how do we get them 
to get in front of the, the right people and know how to speak to their knowledge and the way that they would work for those companies and show them that they are a value when they are going through the like box, like a cookie cutter, you know, education. Um, so that's why the, these mentorship programs that are coming out are so valuable to these digital career paths because it, it makes such a huge difference for them when it, when they're in the job hunt, or even if they want to go into freelance, like there, there's so many pieces that are missing, um, in these educational, not that it's their fault, but it's just not within the constraints of the boot camp. So there has to be like this after part, right? Yeah. And I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I think that a lot of the, the struggles with, like learning the field, going through the boot camps, and like finding success mm-hmm. in the in the actual world after they get done, um, kind of stem from how we just do education in general yeah. um, here in the U.S. And so it's very much a you sit here, mm-hmm. I tell you what you need to know, yeah. you answer my questions, you do X Y Z, and then you go, and you're gonna be fine. <laughs> but like working in design, it is not that in the slightest. No, it's not at all. It's <laughs> all about um, like a lot of what I do is like my manager will come to me and be like, hey, like these are roughly some of the things that we think we want to do this quarter. What do you want to do? I'm like, oh, I kind of like these things. Okay, Th- those are the ones that you want to take. What does that look like? When can you have it done? What are the milestones for the quarter? All of this. And so it's me making my own work. Mm-hmm. It's nobody coming and saying, Jarvis, this is what you should do. And this is how you should do it. And this is when I need it done by. Exactly. In the creative (laughs) field, in the creative field, you don't see that. Like that's old school, right? That's Mm -hmm. somebody that's in a factory and that's not the new career paths, even outside of creative um, endeavors is way more targeted at people who are like, able to think outside the box, who can problem solve, who can iterate, who can prototype, who can talk and speak to the knowledge base or can actually hold a conversation with a business owner or a customer and extract the the proper data, right? Like you can't just sit in your bubble and do a thing that somebody told you like that, those jobs aren't going to exist much longer, to be honest. Yeah. But if we look at education, it's right. still They're factory still on focused. Team. Exactly. And that's and, really concerning. <laughs> yeah. And so like literally majority of your life up until this point where you have to go into career, that's what you're taught. Like yeah. elementary, middle school, high school is all of that like frame of mind. And so um, the boot camps cater to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's where they're kind of breaking that down some, but but not very much. No. And so it is it's culture shock a lot of the time when they like yep. realize, like come to that realization. Cause I know it was eye-opening for me of like, oh, I know that they said that this is a process that we have to go through, but this doesn't work for everything. Yep. And I don't even need to use it for everything. No. Um, I have I have a mentee right now who um was going through like the research phase of a project mm-hmm. and was unsure of the the problem space that he found and was like you're my mentor like you're supposed to tell me if I'm on the right track <laughs> and my response was there there isn't a right track no and I don't know if you're going down the right path I don't know if these are the right problems to solve because nobody would like that's right. that's why we do what we do we're, we're making hypotheses we're making educated guesses yep that we'll test later but we actually have to build it first and so yes we don't really know if it's going to work look at um the like google glasses yeah google spent tons of money on it thought it was going to work did um like a pilot program completely flopped and then they pivoted and so that's the that's like the key piece that people miss is that it's okay if it doesn't work. You just have to be flexible and be able to pivot. Yes. And be able you have to learn to from take the, the data the, exactly and apply it and then come up with a new solution. Because yeah, so there there's like a huge it's like the 
the education piece that's missing is if we could just teach people how to run a startup, <laughs> they would know, they would understand the business implications. They would understand the customer journey. They would understand um, what do you do when you only have $500 for marketing? What do you do when the um, customer experiences COVID and now your product isn't as a valuable to them. What are you going to do? So like it's all of, there's so many factors. You can't, you can't like have a one pathway that's going to mm -hmm. work for every single thing. That's impossible. Think like that's almost ridiculous when you really think about like the world in general and, and thinking that you can design like that. Um, and so the, it's, it's really interesting to me that you're on the same uh, path frame, yeah. you know, like I, we're also paying attention to education here. It's something that we are trying to um, help just our community in general in the area that we live in, create some awareness of mm -hmm. like, we're not pushing too hard, but saying there are other ways there are, there's more to the story. Like, yes, you can go to this college and, and get an, a degree in um, maybe like graphic design, right? But did you take any business classes while you were there? Yeah. How do you expect to make a living? How are you? Okay, even if you go work for someone else, do you understand what it is that they need? It's not mm -hmm. about how good you are. It's about what problem do you solve? And so like, that's where that shift needs to come in education is it's not the right answer. It's how did you get there? And what, what was your reasoning? And was that good? And like, stop punishing people for the wrong answer and instead have them spend more time processing lots of possibilities. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super I, I just, it's kind of scary to me. And then you probably feel the same way with your mm -hmm. children. Terrifying. Now, are they, is your first son almost school age? He's in pre-K right now. Okay. So you're having to kind of make some decisions pretty soon about like where he might go to kindergarten. Um, yeah. That was a terrifying thing for us. Um, it's a big decision. Yeah, because um, we actually we actually um, homeschooled him for pre-K. Okay. And so we're like trying to make the decision of do we want to continue that in the kindergarten? If we do continue that, how do we make sure he still gets like adequate social interaction so mm -hmm. he's not like socially awkward later? Yeah. Um, even the fact of like if we do put him in like traditional school, is this a good school district for him? Do we need to like move, move. To get into a different school district that's gonna yeah. like be able to foster his needs better? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot to consider, and especially with the like huge disparities in the type of education that you can get from you know one dis school district to the next right. based off of funds and access to technology and um, different stuff like that. It's it's tough. I mean, we're like fortunate to be able to like have the problem to make that decision because a lot of people don't. A lot of people yeah. is like, this is where I live. And so this is just where yep. they have to go. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier. No, no, it doesn't. It's a, it's just a different kind of problem. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that, and I hope at least that we'll continue to see this emergence of different types of education continuing to foster after COVID, we realized that our kids can learn a different way if they need to. And it's, and they'll be okay doing that. And some of them actually like bloomed transitioning to online learning. Um, and so at least they have more options um, no. that meets them where for, they're at. I know for, um, the like online school that Jackson goes to, it's very much like as fast or as slow as he needs it to be. Exactly. Which I I would have loved as a kid because that's one reason why college just didn't work for me is because it was too slow. Yeah. 
And I was like, I have to wait for everybody else to understand this concept before we can move on when I already got it. It's annoying. It's a waste of your time, (laughs) right? Um, And so if I could have had something like that, like I probably would. I probably would have gotten through high school quicker, yeah. <laughs> like left early, went on and did other things. Um, yeah. And so he's kind of gotten that opportunity to, um, he's like outpaced his pre-K work already. He's like doing kindergarten stuff and it's completely fine. They're like, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. he's he's already, he already understands this. Like we're not gonna keep teaching him the same thing that right. he already understands. Right. We're gonna move him on to something else because we're, again, we're not waiting on someone else to understand exactly. the concept too if, yep. if he's in a classroom with you know 15 other kids and he gets it it doesn't matter everybody has to get it yep um my son goes to montessori and we're very fortunate that our montessori is actually um a charter school it is not a private school so we're able to do that without having to pay a tuition mm. super fortunate and they have a similar model where Um, it's all based on where he's at. So he has a lot more skill in math. And so he's at a higher level in math. He's in like a third grade level in math and, but he's only in second grade technically. And then like his reading is way more difficult for him. So he's at a second grade level and they're not going to hold him back. Like there is some laws that they're trying to instill for reading, but beyond that, they're not going to hold him back. Like he can just keep progressing however far he wants to. And so that that's really encouraging that at least we're seeing some changes in that way of and, things. And the great thing about that is like, oh, he's he's ahead in math. Well, we can just put more focus on reading. Exactly. And spend more time on the reading instead of still having equal parts reading and math. Yep. So that way he can catch up in the subject that he might be struggling in. And so yeah. And then like he's that more flexibility. Yes. Is exactly what we've been talking about. Of like we can't just think that there's only one path. No. We've got to be flexible and we've got to be able to adapt. So and no one learns one way. Like that, that's just exactly. impossible. It's so ridiculous that that it's still taught that way um in the standard school settings. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it super fascinating, which is totally off track for this podcast. But <laughs> But just a great conversation to have in general of, you know, when you're when you're looking at your career path, especially if like if anyone else like you is interested in education. And I feel the same way um, where like I always cared about education, but I didn't know how to like I didn't I knew I didn't want to be a traditional teacher. There are other pathways for you to help those that might be a few steps behind you. Um, you don't have, like you said, you, you didn't feel confident, but you don't have to know everything. No one's, to be honest, no one's an expert unless you've done it for like 20 years. But then at that point, you're probably like so far behind in technology that you actually don't know everything because you've just been doing the same things. So you, there was always be someone a couple steps behind you on the path that you can reach out to and ask them, you know, what are you struggling with? And maybe you have it, maybe you know someone else that has the answer, you know, it, it, if that's something that drives you and, and interests you, like pursue mentoring. There's so many platforms now that um, you, you can even do it on your own, technically. I mean, social media is a total game changer for people who would like to mentor um on the side by themselves, but there are also other things like, you know, your situation or like ADP list or things like that. Definitely. Can, um, join a community, you know? Yeah. And that, that was a realization that I came to was that just because I, I don't feel like I know everything doesn't mean that I don't have valuable knowledge for somebody who is earlier in their journey than me. Exactly. Um, and so I was like, all right, like we're going to, we're going to take the dive and it ended up, you know, helping, even helping me understand the places where I was lacking and helping me to, um, you know, push my knowledge in areas that I was kind of putting off um, because they're like, these questions keep coming up and they're looking at at me as the person who can answer them. And I can't all the time. Right. But I can usually find it just because, um, you know, once, once you kind of 
find your footing and get into the industry, you, you become resourceful, you know, people who know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can t- typically figure it out quicker than they can. Right. Um, but I didn't know all the things that I didn't know I didn't know. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been really eye-opening even from like my perspective of what's been, what's beneficial, what are people struggling with, um, and how I can like adapt to the way that I um, understand information and, and mm. regurgitate that information to them. That's really interesting. Um, and that's a nice, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it's such a nice bonus that you get to continue like pushing yourself to be so much better just organically through helping other people. Um, it's now I kind of want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we do here, we do help people, but I don't get to do a lot of design stuff. Um, mentoring just because our community is not there yet. Um, in terms of local uh, people, but it's always great to kind of get back into the design world once in a while. And just, it's exciting to see, you know, how everyone's doing and how things are changing and always growing, but also staying the same, you know, design is design. Um, And so uh, maybe I'll have to push myself a little bit further to try and figure out like, okay, what are like, what are the areas I could be working on to help other people learn and grow as well? so that's a really cool yeah, takeaway. That's um, one of the really, really one of the main points why I wanted to go to LinkedIn so bad. Um, because I, I'm in the design system space now, which is super fascinating and I love it. Um, but I had done it for a couple of companies and it was always very much in the beginning stage where they either didn't have a system at all or they had a very outdated system or something. And so um, it was all about like revamping the system, um, driving adoption, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so when I interviewed at LinkedIn, they were on the other side of the fence where they had already made the system. They already had an established system that had been used for years, like they had adoption. Um, And so now they're just like maintaining and like fostering education for the system. And so that was super fascinating to see how it works from from that side of the fence because I had never gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, and so there were like a couple of other companies that I that I was interviewing at that I passed on to be like, I, I really want to see what this is like so I can have that full picture of this like niche area that I like to work in. And I remember that's what you 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 seem the most passionate about when. I had chatted with you last time and and mm-hmm. asked about kind of what are the things you were working on um, at the, the company you're with. And um, that's, that's amazing. Um, do you, do you feel like well-rounded now or do you feel like there's still more out there that you can kind of dive into? Um, I still think that there's a lot more that I can dive into. Um, I think that I am a lot further than a lot of people in the system space right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think there's still a lot of untapped potential there. Um, and so just really trying to push the bounds at LinkedIn and, and push myself to find those things. And we, we do a pretty good job of like self-evaluating and, and really trying to see what, what we can create that's the best um for the designers at linkedin because you know a system a system is an internal product yeah Yeah. um and so my users are designers and so i'm trying to service them um so we have we have a lot of really cool things that we're working on but it's um like night and day what what i was doing (laughs) in systems before um it's like i used to be literally making the components and writing the documentation and now I haven't even gotten close to doing either one of those things. That's crazy. That that's and it's so interesting to me that that one thing, like design systems, you know, it can have so much like scope. Like it's just so vast, right? That you haven't even touched like so many pieces of it yet. Even with working in those like complete opposite realms, right? Um, and I think that 
like sometimes it's scary and when we see like oh you know the design field's getting really saturated but like your story shows that if you find a piece of the design because the design process is huge it's, yeah. it's very very diverse um if you find a piece that you do enjoy doing and you become a special you know specialized in it then there's still it's not going to be boring there's still opportunity for you to have you know growth and keep pursuing um better ways of doing the design work and making it a better product a more easy product for your designers to use a better um you know, thing for the customers uh, that, you know, it doesn't have to be like um, the same thing all the time. You don't have to stay stagnant just because you niche down. Um, and I think a lot of people are wary of that, but that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's a great path for someone to take. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing applies for even if you don't specialize with, if you switch industries, mm -hmm. then the problem space is completely different. And so the yeah. work you're gonna do is completely different. And it, the same thing holds true for a design system and the needs that it's going to service are gonna be different based on the industry that you're doing it for. Um, but yeah, I think one of the big reasons why systems was even fascinating to me when we first talked was because um, typically we see like product design and tech as like being on the cusp of where technology's at, mm -hmm. like we're constantly trying to push yep. um, what's possible. And with systems, we're even further ahead of that. Right. A lot of the times, at least we yeah. should be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if you look at how you can build adoption for new technology at a large scale, at a large company like LinkedIn that has over 300 designers, mm -hmm. um, who are all leveraging a design system, if the design system utilizes that tool, then you have instant access to all 300 designers. Same yep. thing on the engineering side. Like if they implement a new piece of technology on the engineering side and they push an update, well now every engineer within the organization has that new technology to leverage. That's such a crazy scale <laughs> like mm -hmm. to think of, um, man. But you have like a lot of power there. <laughs> it's crazy to, you yeah. know, um, and that's not dis not discouraging or like, I, I guess it's, it's a really, I don't know. Um, I'll say it's, it's why I enjoy it because I, I knew I wanted to at least like work at a large tech company just to at least see what it would like. Try it. Yeah. But my fear was that I would be stuck on a little tiny feature. Yes. And that's the only exactly. thing that I would ever be able to do is exactly. work in this little tiny space. Um, and so design systems was a way that I could do um, like go to this larger company, but still have like large scale reach. impact. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> that's uh that's a, it's huge. And I you know, titles don't say much to be honest, but that's so crazy for your career to be able to and you know, whether you stick with them because you really enjoy it or if you move on to something else, um having that as a um just an experience to to speak to and the knowledge that you gain from something like that is huge. It's so amazing. Um, so congrats on that. I'm, I'm happy that you, that you stuck out for it, that you held out, that you, that you said no to the things because you just knew that that was where you wanted to be. Um, it was, it was tough. It was a, <laughs> it was a tough road um, because there were definitely like several times um, where I had the opportunity to stay out of place because I did a lot of contracting um, roles last year, mm -hmm. actually, where I knew I wanted to be in the design system space. They didn't have like maybe the headcount for a full-time position, but it was a contract position. And so I took the contract, got to the end. They enjoyed me, but they wanted me to move out of systems. And yeah. so I was like, ah, no. I no. Like, <laughs> I, I know it's like crazy to say, like, I'm going to turn down this full time opportunity to go take another contract and like leave that security behind. But 
like you said, I, I knew where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't willing to settle. And so if I, I mean, if I would have settled, I wouldn't be at LinkedIn right now. I'd be somewhere else doing something other than design systems. Um, Probably wouldn't so, be very happy. <laughs> oh, oh, I know I wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> because um, I worked, I worked somewhere where they actually deprioritized the system, like the systems team. They kept the design system, but like made it decentralized. Oh. Um, and so I had to move into a regular like product design role, and I was like, no, this is this is not for me. <laughs> um, I thought I could, I thought I could stick it out, um, but no. No, that's awesome. And I think that's super important for people to hear too, is in the beginning of your career, it's okay to dabble and try different things because you need to see what you like and you don't like. But when you do find one that you feel like really good in and feels like actually drives you to want to learn more and be a valuable employee and do you know, above and beyond once in a while and, and really work for um, not like a paycheck, but for the company and to just you're there because you believe in it, not just because it's work. Um, those kinds of things are what help you see the right paths in life um, and or at least to try, you know, and that's not saying yeah. that you can't change, right? You might decide one day that you want to do something else because you mm-hmm. have tapped out uh, or maxed out on the design systems. Um, and that's totally okay. But it's good to pay attention to those flags of, um, or like that gut feeling. I, I guess yeah. that's kind of how I describe it of like, your brain is telling you, you can't give up on this thing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually those are the good signs that are telling you that's the path that you need to take. Um, yeah, I always equate it to the medical field of when, when you become a doctor, you always start out as like a general mm-hmm. practice type of doctor, and then you explore all of the different specialties. Yep. And then you get to work in them for a little bit, you get to experience them, and then you get to pick the one that lights you up. Yep. And so I think that so, so many designers try to specialize right out the gate. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like, just take a step, like. If you know what you want to do, by all means, like go for it. If mm-hmm. you are the lucky one who knows. But I didn't know what design systems were when I started in UX. And yeah. Design. So there's no way that I could have picked that because I didn't know it was a possibility. Um, and so, yeah, I always try to push people to just like try it. Just try it. You might you might like it. You might not. But you can't say that you didn't have that experience because you never know what's going to light that fire in you. Yep, exactly. Um, be okay with dabbling. And um, to be honest, like I still don't, I still like to try new things because I'm like, well, what if, you know, what if that's it? You know, I haven't mm-hmm. felt like, yep, this is the, the one path. I feel like I'm on the way, but I haven't like had that like moment where you're like design systems. This is where I this is where I'm good. This is what I'm good at. This is what mm-hmm. I can do. This is the the value I bring to the world. Um, it's yeah, and and I felt I felt the same way about like mentorship, and so it's okay to have multiple things mm-hmm. that like really light you up and like For pursue sure. those. So um, I think a lot of people also get stuck on like, oh, like I found the one thing, like this is the only thing that I could no. ever be passionate about. No, not the case at all. <laughs> no, well, like you don't necessarily only have one hobby right i mean some people but for the most part most people have multiple hobbies or like and really that's no different it's just that you're not doing that for a career right but it's something that you are passionate about that you that brings you joy and so it's okay to have multiple career things that bring you joy as well (laughs) we forget that sometimes yeah and it's it's really strange because i'm like like we were talking about, I'm very passionate about education, just not traditional education. Exactly. Because <laughs> that yes. didn't work for me. Exactly. And so I really want to be able to show other people who may not have degrees or certifications or anything like that, that there is still a path mm-hmm. um, and it is still possible. And like, you can still learn. 
And just because you don't have this like piece of paper that backs you up doesn't mean that you're not smart and that you're not educated and that you can't do the job. Yep, 100%. Um, I am actually really excited that, not about COVID, but I'm excited that COVID is kind of breaking like the mm -hmm. college system. Not to the extent, like, obviously college should exist for some things, but I also believe very highly that there's there's this stigma that you need a college degree to do a job or you need that like piece of paper but instead companies are now asking the right questions when they interview people they're willing to take people based on experience they're willing to you know look beyond like you have a bachelor's degree um and so i think we're going to continue to see those changes come through the gate of like someone like you who has knowledge can educate someone, give them some experience and they can go start their careers mm -hmm. right out the gate, not in debt up to their eyeballs, not, you know, having to spend four years mm -hmm. trying to do, learn a thing. They can just already be doing it and, and getting experience because apprentice based work is yes. like an, old concept right of like yes we get it that you know being an electrician you got to do that or um those kinds of things but a lot of these careers now have just the same kind of concept it works there's no reason for someone to sit in a classroom learning outdated concepts when they could be sitting next to an expert in the field learning on the job and getting paid to do that instead of paying someone else to teach them who probably hasn't even ever done that job. So it's just really fascinating to me. And I'm excited to see that the little shifts that are happening in the education sector, that there is some hope at least that, you know, the future generations will have better, better education opportunities than we did. At least I hope so. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing about apprenticeships. Like I really hope that the upward trend we're seeing of more and more apprenticeships popping up mm -hmm. keeps happening mm -hmm. um because i know that like whenever i was first getting started even in graphic design like one of my one of the main responses to not having a degree was that i have real world experience like you you want somebody with a bachelor's degree who's going to be the same age as me but have a piece of paper and no real actual work experience yeah They've, they've been prompted to do all of their assignments over the last four years where I've been working with clients. I've had to pivot. I've had to yeah. like deal with those conflicts and learn how to communicate and learn some of that business language. Um, so which, which one is kind of more valuable to you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do you want somebody who you have to teach all of these things to or somebody who's kind of like trial by fire themselves into yes. it? And if, um, if we're being honest, which is more difficult to teach the soft skills or the hard skills? Yeah. It's a no brainer to me. Um, um, so it's actually, there's actual reports out now that show that those soft skills are going to be some of the most sought after for the, um, like, I think it's in five years from now um, when it comes to job hunts and hiring and <laughs> I don't know if it's our faults as like people who know better but I feel like it's the college's faults for not paying attention to that and like quickly implementing some solutions to say okay we need to get these types of education um, opportunities in our programs because otherwise we're doing a disservice to all these people that we're telling we're going to get them a job in the next four to five years and we don't cover any of these skill sets at all it just blows my mind so i I'm, I'm hoping that they're paying attention to that i know at least the people who are in the the new education sector the online education the boot camps the workshops i think those people are at least paying attention or and able to pivot yeah and i and i think that that's going to be so sought after because of what's happening because of COVID. like we had to open up the world you have mm -hmm. to be on a screen and be able to 
clearly communicate with somebody who's on the other side of the country or the other side of the world. And like yep. communication is going to be a lot more important because you're not going to be able to see the subtle gestures that you get to see in like exactly. an actual office space. You're not going to um, be able to go and talk to that person at the drop of a dime whenever you need to, to clarify something. Like you've yep. got to be able to articulate yourself from this setting, like right. <laughs> how we're talking now. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, exactly. And if, if you don't have the skills to be able to do that, to be able to have, you know, positive interactions with people um, who aren't right next to you, that's, that's gonna hurt a lot of people who it have is. been kind of stuck in the ways of the world before. Um, and I think that's why there are a lot of companies who are um, conflicted about this like back to office mm -hmm. procedure um, yeah. that we're starting to see a lot of is because they don't know how to break away from that. Yeah. And they they realized too that with the great resignation, there's a risk <laughs> involved <laughs> now, a very expensive risk involved in making the wrong choices um, because there's so many less ties that like people are just people have options now they do i know i know as bad as covid was it was good for me because i would have had to move to california or to new yep. york or you know somewhere where lincoln had an office to be able to take this exactly. opportunity yeah, and with 100%. that comes higher cost of living yeah all of like the stress of moving yeah you have family the right neighborhood yeah being further away from family and so um, that was something that we were really contemplating doing mm -hmm. before COVID happened. Yep. And then Us that too. happened, remote work happened, and we were like, oh, now people actually are okay with me staying here and working for you in, in another yeah. state. Where uh, the, the cost of living is lower and you've yep. established some roots and you feel grounded and comfortable. and Because you have to have, I mean, I guess not everyone, but I, as a mom, stability is my love language. So I don't feel good when I'm working if my fam if I don't know my family is okay, right? Mm -hmm. And so like having to figure out like do I need to transfer us to a whole new side of the country just so that I can work and make a living and what is the what is the school system's going to be like there? Is he going to make friends, you know? Are we going to make friends? Are we going to like it? I don't want to move somewhere I've never even been just to take a job. What if I don't like it? Then what do we do? Yeah. You know, it, there's yeah. so many more options now. It's, it's oh, so much better. Um, okay. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I try to keep these to an hour just to be respectful of everyone. So, but I do want to cover, so the work that you're doing with the, is it technically a business or did you guys kind of just form a community? Um, for helping black designers have a voice in the in the design space because COVID really, not COVID, mm. just COVID, but all the things in the world that were going on at that time really brought to light how behind yeah. the, the creative world is when it comes to representation. So tell us a little bit about what, what you guys are doing. Um, yeah, so it's both the community and, and the business side of it, but it's it's really it started out as us just wanting to find other people that looked like us in yeah. the design space um, yeah. because really really for me until I got to places like LinkedIn I know when I was at NerdWallet there was one other black designer there but um, LinkedIn's the first place that I've had um, actually a black manager um, and so like I just wasn't having those experiences before yeah. and my um, other co-founder amber fields she was the same way um so we were just looking for other people that looked like us and we, we, she really spearheaded starting the community and i came on like shortly after um and then we saw this like really interesting space where we were sharing knowledge we were able to help open doors for yes. other people within the community that they didn't know about to yeah. make potentially different job opportunities um, different like contract, freelance gigs, all all types of different stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we started um, connecting with businesses 
And so but previous to me working at LinkedIn, we actually did an event with LinkedIn where um, people from the community got to meet some of the designers that work there, talk to some of the recruiters that were there, and then get first dibs on like this these new batch of, of positions that they opened up. Um, and so it's really just about us trying to create opportunities and open doors um, for other Black designers um, because we make up, I think the statistic is 3%. Wow. Oh, gosh. Of, of the design industry. <laughs> That's um, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And it's it's so hard to get in in normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. So having the work that you guys are doing is so important. And I hope that you guys continue to grow and you find other communities like yours that um, can kind of you know, again, connect together, right? And grow yeah. and create more opportunities. And again, more open doors because there is something, it's not, it's something we take for granted of mm -hmm. the ability to make a connection with someone and the opportunities that that can bring for your, yourself or for someone else that you know. Um, and if those aren't happening, like if people aren't doing the work to make space for you, that path is so difficult. It's so it hard. And, and pe people get like run down to the point of, I just give up. Yep. And we can't have that because that 3% will never grow then. So People need to continue to make efforts to have conversations, right? Like I just saw, I think, what did you do yesterday? You were having like this huge, you were on a huge panel, weren't you? Yeah, I spoke at the uh, Diversity Tech Summit. That's amazing. <laughs> so cool. You, look at you. You're just like all <laughs> over the place <laughs> making moves. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, but yeah, like the... The biggest thing is that like a lot of America and like the physical world around us was was built by us but not for us. Yeah. And so the digital world, as we see all of the stuff about the metaverse and, and mm -hmm. the rise of VR technology and different things, like it's gonna be the same or it's not gonna be built for us either, unless right. we're in the rooms. You have we're to, able to exactly. speak up and have a voice and um yep show where it's lacking and where it's not going to benefit our communities and so yep. we can only do that if we're there yep um so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to get more of us in the room to be able to have a voice yep um that's such a, an interesting point i haven't thought about like i guess we are really on the cusp of a new transition of where technology is going and the growth um that society is going to see um, and you're right. It's going to be an entirely new, I don't know, like not, I, I guess universe is the wrong word, but it yeah. is, it's a space where people are represented in a certain way. And you're right. Um, there won't be the proper representation unless due diligence is made to make sure that the right people are building it and making sure that that is fully catering to everyone not one right <laughs> yeah because i think like the the best company culture is a diverse one because i i don't know what even like your lived experiences are unless you're in the room to tell me exactly and so we have to have people who don't all come from the same place and mm -hmm. feel the same way and think the same way in a room to challenge each other and yep. to make sure that we're like pushing these products that we're creating. To That's when innovation really happens, exactly. right? You can't exactly. have innovation with the same shit all the time. Mm -hmm. It will not grow. It will not change. It will not create new things because if you think about creativity, it is a repetition of the same things that have always been done throughout history. And you're just taking pieces from one thing and another and putting them together to create something different. And if the things you're creating aren't involving all of the things that are available, 
you're going to eventually run out of innovative things to make, right? Creativity yeah. will create stagnation. It will think that we have this problem with templates, right? In yeah. web design, everything looks the same. All the websites look the same because you had too many designers that didn't do innovative thinking. And now we're going to probably have another shift again where business owners are going to say, well, I'm not getting good growth because my website looks just like my competitors and it's not any different. And the only way that that changes is by having the right creative people having a more diverse approach to the design to bring something different to the table that sets them apart. And you don't have that if you don't have diversity. You're 100% right. And I'm hoping that companies start to embrace that more because they have to because the money is running out like it forces them to make those choices so that we can continue to support all of the the different efforts things that you're doing but also on a bigger scale and and make it happen faster because three percent is devastating to me that that's that's the case um that it's 2022 and it's three percent and it's been 3% for years now. Like that number has not changed. That's so bad for the things that just are on billboards, the things that are in magazines, the things that are in, on TV in the, yeah. any of the next five years, like they're all going to be the same, right? Unless this drastically changes. And I think we are, at least I hope, and I can't speak because I'm white, but I hope that we are making some headway. I feel in the, at least the last year that I'm seeing more of a diversity mm-hmm. represented in the creative fields. People are are tired of not being heard. And so they're just speaking more loudly. And I'm so happy that that's happening, that they, they're no longer staying quiet and they're they're making their stamp. So thank yeah. you for the work that you do <laughs> to make sure that that continues to happen. We're, we're trying and like allyship is really essential mm-hmm. because um, the people who are allies kind of take that stance, like some of you of understanding that there are varying levels of privilege in the yep. country. And so how can they use theirs to help somebody else? And yep. that's really what it boils down to is like understanding that, okay, yes, because of the way that I look, I may have a certain level of privilege mm-hmm. and that's okay, but am I How gonna keep I that all to myself? Good. Yeah, right. or can I help somebody else who doesn't okay. have that, get into these rooms and have a voice and like do things that they don't have the opportunity to do. Exactly. Um, and I hope that we continue to see more and more of that, of people going out of their way to make sure that that happens. Like, Yes, we're all busy. Yes, we all have a lot on our plates, but it doesn't take that much time for you to just have have a shout out on your LinkedIn page. Or um, if you're a business owner, invite another black business owner to share at your business or something, or, you know, like do a, a joint event or, you know, anything that you could take- do take a few extra minutes and go somewhere other than Amazon to purchase something. Exactly. Purchase from a small business, take 15 minutes out of your day to go talk to somebody who's new to the field and just need some advice. Exactly. Like that's, it's not really that difficult. Like me as a very busy person, like I do way more than I should. Anytime somebody reaches out, I do the best that I can to make, Mm -hmm. make time for them. Whether that's, I've I've gotten up at and had like 6am coffee chats with people because they were in another country and that was like the best time that worked for them. And so it's like you're such a good person. <laughs> but it's not it's not that hard. It's like really if I'm not. if I'm looking rough, I can just have my camera off. Like the information's gonna be the same. Right. But right. That's what I w- would have wanted somebody to do for me. Yeah. And really we put too much pressure on ourselves, like, oh I gotta be professional. I gotta you know, I got to look good. I got to speak well. I haven't even had coffee yet. But honestly, people just need a little bit of help. You're right. You're so right. Oh, that's and such a good point. And it fits <laughs> so much better when you just talk regular and you talk real. Like, yeah. this is literally like what I have on right now is what I would wear to an interview. Yeah. It's 
basically what I wore with my interview at LinkedIn, like just a t-shirt. I think I had like a, a ball cap on. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to try to be something that I'm not to fit in. No. And I don't feel like I need to try to talk a way that's not me to fit no. in, whether because that's like. you're setting the wrong example of, exactly. of who you are as a person. And they're not hiring you for your clothes or how well you dress. Let's just be fair. I mean, I don't think you should do the interview from like your living room where your kids are screaming and, and your dog's barking because then they can't understand how, and get to know you. Do your best to like try and <laughs> find a space in your house for five minutes that, you know, you can have a conversation with someone. I mean, sometimes you can't though, to be fair. I've I've held many a yeah, meeting I've, and I've just had to before. apologize. <laughs> like, same here. This is all I've got today, guys. You know, um, yeah. but even but, uh, they're hiring you for your your knowledge and how the value that you bring to the company, and that has nothing to do, to be honest, with where you live or how you dress. And and the the other thing about being a person of color in the space is that other people of color are going to be judged based off of me. And so if I can come in and say, I came in with dreadlocks, tattoos, and a t-shirt, and I know what I'm talking about, yeah, just because my appearance doesn't, I'm not wearing a suit doesn't mean doesn't that I'm match. not educated. Yeah. Um, I'm not setting that precedence that every other black person that comes after me has to like meet this ultra high bar of that's an amazing um, point. trying to be something that they're not. Like if suits is you, then that's fine. Like I have friends and th they love suits. Like yep. they wear suits on a regular day. So show yeah. up like that. That's fine. They're like but you and your shoes back there. Yeah. But don't be something that you're not is like right. the biggest thing. Right. And you're really not impressing anyone, to be honest. Like it, it I, I've always struggled with that because I was raised like a certain way that, you know, you have to be professional. You have to look a certain way to get hired. You have to speak a certain way. And I was never comfortable when I was trying to do that. And it would stop me from having good interviews. And when I was myself, that's when I could actually put all the things that were fictitious aside and focus on what is the value that I bring? Because I felt like myself and I felt like my best version of myself because I didn't care. It, there was less pressure to yeah. be somebody I was not. So, um, that was me early okay. in my design career was definitely that all through graphic design and like the first few positions that I had in, in UX was definitely me doing exactly what you're talking about. And once I kind of realized it and made the change, like the opportunities skyrocketed um, and I literally don't think I'd be here today if, if I wouldn't have made that change. A hundred percent. Because you're focused, you were focused on the wrong things, right? Um, and when you actually put time and effort into focusing on the right things, that's when people notice. Because those other things, they don't really care about either, to be honest. <laughs> and if they, they do, don't you don't to, you don't want to work for them if that's what they care about. How nice your suit is, you don't. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you want to know how nice my shoes are, like, that's fine. Cause that's, that's me. <laughs> exactly. But I understand that that's not everybody and that's okay. No. It's a conversation piece. And I think that's, you should have things surrounding you when you're interviewing, especially if you're doing remote work that are about you and it helps people get to know you. And it, it's an icebreaker, right? Like I can say, you know, obviously you like shoes. Um, yeah. What are your favorite sneaks? Like, what did you pick up most recently? It's a conversation starter and I get to know you better as a person. Um, and I, I think that that's more important, right? Um, especially as we continue to do these virtual, virtual things. Um, yeah, that's the thing I tell my mentees is like, yes, like do, do the case studies in your portfolio really well. Yeah. Like, have answers for questions and interviews but also like be you like let yourself. you come through because yeah, this they're isn't, hiring you this isn't, yeah this isn't a factory this isn't the medical field where it's very much can you check these boxes if it's right. yes you're hired if it's no you're not it is we live in the gray yeah and we want to work with people who we actually want to like. be around exactly and we're humans like we don't want robots nope 
<laughs> we want no, humans. We want people we are going to enjoy spending every day with, having to you know problem solve and have hard times and good times. Um, they're hiring you. Uh, yes, they're not hiring a robot. So that's an excellent point. Well, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Jarvis, for joining me again. I Again, congratulations on all the efforts. Good luck with everything. Um, I can't wait to see like next year where you're at because I think it's going to be amazing. Um, and um, I hope everything goes well with baby. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. And um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we'll just have to make this like a yearly thing. We'll be back for sure. Year. Every year. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if you want to shout out again um, where people can find you. Please do that. Um, best place would be LinkedIn. Just search my name, Jarvis Moore. Um, I have all the other stuff, but that's mainly just for like sneakers. So if you want to talk actual <laughs> design, <laughs> go, go to LinkedIn. Um, and also look for Black UX Labs. If you want to see what we're doing on that side, you can go to findblackux.com or look us up on LinkedIn and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week on the, or in another time on the podcast. I don't know how sporadically we're going to uh, release these. This is our second season and I'm much more lazy this time and busy. So <laughs> it's not, not consistent, but I hope you guys enjoyed it and that you've uh, found some value. And again, reach out if you have questions on anything. Um, we're here to help and make sure that you can find that path and continue and don't give up because um, clearly Jarvis has proven, proven that um, amazing things happen when you just keep fighting for yourself and, and finding those paths. So we'll join uh, you guys next time. Have a great weekend. See you later.